I'd like to talk to you concerning two things about you, positive things, wonderful things, and two things about God, positive things, wonderful things. And I'll try to show you how these two things about you and the two things about God fit together. And when they come together, it's really pleasant. Amen. So for about the first 20 minutes, I'll share about the first thing concerning you as a human. And the first thing about God as God. Then for the second 20 minutes or so, we'll come to the second matter. And when I say two things about you, I mean you as a human, as a human being. It doesn't matter when you were born, from what country you were, the very fact that you are a human being, this is true about you. So what is his first thing? We human beings need joy. We need enjoyment. This is built into us by creation. We were created with this need just as we have the need for peace and the need for love. We need enjoyment. We need something, no matter where we are in our human life, that will bring joy to us. It's very hard to live without this. Then on God's side, God wants us to enjoy Him. And in a very real sense, God needs us to enjoy Him for a certain reason, but that's the second point that's about 18 minutes into the future. When God created human beings, he placed them in a lovely environment that's very pleasant to the sight. This indicates that we all have a human need for joy. I believe you've all come to this realization so everyone is active in certain ways with things that they like, that bring joy to them, that bring happiness to them. This is just part of what we are. But we need to have the proper thought concerning God and the proper view concerning God and religion doesn't have this view but thankfully we're not in religion Amen. we're just in the Lord and in the fellowship with his believers God's heart is to present himself to us all the time to be our enjoyment to be joy to us and to supply us with what will bring, as you will learn throughout life, the greatest joy. But if we have a wrong concept about God, we'll never think of him like this. So we need someones to point out God's heart is full of love, full of care, 
and full of desire to share joy with you and be joy to you. There is a second reason why almost all of us might find it difficult to believe that God wants us to enjoy Him. And that's because when we fall into sin and we disobey God and for a period of time we are not at peace with Him, then we tend to fear Him and to fear His judgment. But this should only be a temporary sense because God in Christ has provided a solution for every problem we could ever have between us and God on our side. And that is our Lord Jesus died on the cross to remove every negative thing. And now as the Spirit, as we have need, He makes this real to us so we know we can come to the Lord at any time, no matter what you have just done. At any time, you can come to Him just as you are and say, Lord, this is where I am right now. I won't pretend. But I thank you that the Lord Jesus died for me and his blood cleanses me. You all know the story of the son in Luke 15 that took off from home to enjoy life with his portion of the inheritance. And he came home because he was miserable and hungry. And the father ran to meet him. And the first thing he did was to cover him with a garment to take care of the problem. Then he said, let's be happy. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate this shows how the Lord is just ready to have joy with us and joy over us. So don't believe the lie of the enemy that if you did something wrong, God's mad at you, you can never enjoy him again. Come to him, tell him what happened. Receive his cleansing, and then the joy will continue. To give you some idea of how God is ready to rejoice, in Luke chapter 15, when the Lord talked about the sheep that was lost and found, the coin that was lost and found, the Lord said, there is joy in heaven when one person repents. In heaven. On the day you called on the Lord and you believed in him. And also on the day you were baptized, the angels in heaven were rejoicing over you. One by one. Because you matter to God. Your situation matters to Him. So I hope the way is clear in our understanding to take in the thought that we need enjoyment even on a human level. And we need enjoyment that only God can give. There's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is talking to rich people. He doesn't tell them it's wrong for you to be rich. He says, don't be high-minded. Don't trust in this, but trust in God 
who richly gives us all things for our enjoyment. Okay. This is God. Even on a human level. But of course, we're talking about as believers, about the highest enjoyment, the enjoyment of God. God wanting to be our enjoyment, our needing God to be our enjoyment. Because that's the only joy that lasts. So let's consider what are some aspects of this enjoyment. And I'll mention several. You don't have to try to remember them all. Maybe one of them will touch you in particular. And you just talk to the Lord about that one. Okay? There's a verse which says, Your presence is fullness of joy. Simply being in the Lord's presence is joyful. Probably you know at least a few people that it's pleasant just to be with, especially when you really like somebody, it's really pleasant to be with that one. Well, the Lord is a kind of person that is pleasant to be with him. When he was on the earth, the only ones who didn't enjoy him were the religious ones. But all the naughty people, all the sinful people, they would have dinner with him. They would be close to him. They enjoyed being with him. Because he is a delightful person just to be with. You may not know what to say. You don't always have to say stuff. You can just say, Lord, I'd like to spend a few minutes just with you. Then the Bible speaks of something called the joy of salvation. And even David prayed for that after he made a terrible mistake. Like this uh, very terrible mistake. He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's a joy to know all of your sins have been forgiven and forgotten. I don't know how God can forget. You know, it's very clear I'm not a young person. But I am so happy that all the thousands and thousands of mistakes I made, I, I confessed them all, God forgave them all, he forgot them. Amen. He forgot them. This makes me happy. Amen. Just the joy of being forgiven. Then you have another verse. You've probably sung parts of Isaiah 12. With joy, we draw water. The best translation says, the springs of salvation. So salvation is a fountain in your spirit right now. And when it springs up, it brings joy to you. And I can testify that even in the midst of some of the most difficult human situations, the joy springs up. I'm glad our two brothers read 1 Peter 1.8. We've never seen the Lord, but we love him. Amen. We've never seen him, but we believe in him, and we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Now, this may sound somewhat odd, 
But I'm going to speak to the Lord because he's here. One of his names is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And he said, I will be with you every day. So, Lord, we can't see you. But you are here in this room. You, the resurrected Christ, you're invisible, but you are here. And we like to tell you, Lord, we really like being with you. It's so pleasant to sense your presence. Right now, he's here. And when we see him face to face in glory, maybe he'll say, I remember that young people's meeting on November 19th, long time ago in 2016, when that older brother was there and he talked to me as if I was there. And he may say, I was there. He's here. Just consider this. We can't see him, but we love him. We can't see him, but we believe in him. But there are other things related to God that bring joy to us. One verse in Hebrews speaks of the Lord Jesus. And that verse says on his behalf, I delight to do your will, O my God. In John 4, the Lord Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. I recognize you're young. The most life-changing and permanent decision that I ever made, I made when I was 16 years old. I had been 16 for only one month. And I made a decision before the Lord which has directed my whole life until now. So you're at a very crucial age. Some of the most important decisions are made in the teenage years. They direct you for your whole life. And later, by the Lord's mercy, I made another decision. And that is, Lord, I choose your will. Your will. There is joy in doing what God wants you to do. There will be, there's always joy when you agree with God's will. It may be a struggle. I struggled for a month before making this decision. Every night, the Lord spoke something to me, and I didn't agree. The next night, he spoke the same thing to me, and I didn't agree. This was a very interesting, simple conversation until I agreed. It's just in my heart that you would have the intention to do what God wants you to do. What his will is for you. Another verse in Romans 14, verse 17 says that the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the kingdom of God? A definition according to experience is the kingdom of God is Christ in your heart directing you. In peace. He's living in you, but he doesn't have a rod of iron to hit you with. He constrains you with love, and when you let him be the king in your heart, there's joy. 
There's a verse in Nehemiah, way in the Old Testament. You ever heard of Nehemiah? He's, he's there. And he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I just refer to this. Don't worry. None of us has to be serious. My wife of 49 years passed away many months ago. And I had to go through that loss. But I can tell you, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Nothing and no one can defeat a person who enjoys the Lord. Amen. Watchman, he suffered his whole life as a believer. He was imprisoned for 20 years unto death. The last word he communicated in written form was, I have kept my joy. The whole communist government could not defeat this man with the Lord's joy. Amen. But there's something <clears throat> very practical that you can apply anytime you want to concerning enjoying the Lord. Because some of these other matters, they're mysterious. You may not know what the will of God is tonight. You may not be so clear about the kingdom and God inside of you right now. But you have the Bible. You may have it on your phone. You may have it in your hand. And there was a man lived around 3,000 years ago. He was a prophet. And he was a prophet at a during a time of national crisis when the whole city of Jerusalem was destroyed and the people came into captivity. He lived through all of that. And he was opposed almost all the time. But this is what he said in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. Amen. This doesn't mean you're eating the text of the Bible. It means you're taking the words into your spirit by praying. So you find the word by reading, like you found that verse. Your words were found, and I ate them. Anybody know the next part of the verse? And your word became to me the joy and gladness of my heart. Amen. I can testify this always happens. Amen. No matter how I'm feeling, no matter how sad my heart may be, no matter how lonely I may be, going home, Thankfully, this won't last that much longer. But going home to an empty house, humanly speaking, it's not very pleasant. But when I open the Word and I find words to read and I eat some, those words do something to my heart. They become the joy and gladness of my heart. Amen. Now, you all have a Bible. So I encourage you, at least two or three minutes a day. I like to be realistic. Two or three minutes a day. You read some verses. Maybe you're reading through the Gospel of John or whatever. Then as you're reading, you're just 
your attention is focused on this word, like, oh, John 15, you read this. My joy will be in you, and your joy will be made full. So then you eat it. Lord, your joy. You said your joy will be in me. Lord, I'm eating this word. Once the word gets into you, it will do something to your heart. You will be singing. You will be happy. You know, sometimes we're pretty complicated. We've got more than one feeling going on at the same time. So on the one hand, you're crying, yet deep within, the word is bringing joy to your heart. This is the most practical way to enjoy God. And it's the most practical way for God to be our enjoyment. Because only when you have the word, you have his presence, you have his salvation, you have the springs of salvation, everything is there. Now, forgive me for saying something really, really basic and simple right now, okay? Don't be bothered. I know you're smart, but I still have to speak simple things. No one can breathe for you. No one can eat your food for you. No one can love the Lord for you. And no one can eat the word for you. This is something you need to do for yourself. It's best you do it every day. If you miss a day, then you got a new day to start. If you would practice this one thing every day for the rest of your life, spend a few minutes in the Word, you find some words, then you pause. You eat them by praying. You take them into your spirit, okay? Because the word is spirit and life. So you take it into your spirit. Then your spirit, with the word in it, flows into your heart. And it brings joy and gladness to your heart. I realize... You enjoy all kinds of things, all kinds of music, all kinds of things online. I'm not religious. I'm not condemning anything. But I just want to tell you, those are just outward, superficial enjoyment. The real joy is God himself in the word. And you need... To discover that for yourself. See, in Song of Songs, which is a divine love story in the Bible, in the very first chapter, this is the beginning of the believer's journey. And this young believer can say this. She says, Lord, your love is better than wine. For me, an older person, to say, oh, the Lord's love is better than any worldly enjoyment. You may say, well, yeah, yeah, you've lived for so long, you've tried everything, we're so young. But for you, at 14, at 17, to be able to tell a friend, The Lord's love is better than any human enjoyment. Okay, so this is the first thing about you. Now, as long as you're alive as a human, you will need enjoyment. 
And as long as you're alive as a human needing enjoyment, you will do whatever you can to get it. That's just a fact. It's like being starved, being thirsty. You have to have food. You have to have water. But then you will learn certain kinds of enjoyment destroy you. They're enjoyable for a moment, but they destroy you. Other kinds of enjoyment preserve you. They make you healthy. They strengthen you. They help you develop. A very gifted person who literally had the whole world offered to him was Moses. And admittedly, he was beyond being a young person. But he made a decision. He knew there was something called the temporary enjoyment of sin. And he decided not to take that way, but to follow the Lord's way. So I commend to you the enjoyable God Amen. who wants to bring joy to you all the time and his word will bring joy to your heart. Amen. Now the second thing about you and about God is quite different. But you, I'll try to point out how they go together. You need to have the sense deep within that your life has a purpose. Amen. That you're here on earth for a reason. Some of the deepest questions I ever heard that were ever asked of me were asked of my children when they were little. And not long ago, I heard the testimony of a woman from Kazakhstan. When she was a teenager living under the Soviet Union in an atheist society filled with ungodliness, she asked her father, she said, Father, why are we all here on earth? Why? And he said, I don't know. And many years later, when she was a young woman, not a teenager, she got saved in a powerful way. And she discovered why she's here. And through her, her whole family and many others were saved because she knew and she knows why she's here. I realize it's not normal for young people to be in their room thinking, what's the meaning of human existence? <laughs> but every now and then it comes up in your heart. Because as a human, you need a sense of purpose. What's the point? Why are we here? Does my life have any significance at all? So we have this need for a purpose, for a meaning of our life. And now on God's side, God is a God of purpose. And he wants us to enjoy him so that by enjoying him, we can live for his purpose. And we live for God's purpose in the midst of our human life, whatever it is. We don't drop out of 
human living. So you're in school. After you finish high school, you'll pursue higher education or training in a trade. You may want to be in the military, whatever it is. You will develop yourself further. Eventually, you'll really love someone. And that someone will really love you. And you'll get married. Then you become parents. You go through all the human things. We're no exception. We have all the common sufferings. All the ordinary responsibilities. But from the time that I was 16, I knew why I existed. I knew what God wanted. I didn't have the full understanding because I couldn't be in a young people's meeting like this to have anyone help me. Now, the Bible talks about God's eternal purpose. So let me tell you how this started. <clears throat> it's hard to grasp. But before there was a universe, nothing exists. Not even space, not even time, only God. God had a will. That is something he wanted. And according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, he created everything because of his will, what he wants. So this is the first thing to understand. You exist because God wanted you to exist. Well, God not only has a will, he has a desire in his heart, something that will bring eternal joy to him. And that is, eventually, to get married to his chosen and redeemed people. They have mutual enjoyment in the new heaven and a new earth. But based on his will, with his desire, he has a plan. That is his purpose. Okay, this is hard to grasp. But in eternity past, God knew you and God chose you to be holy and God predestinated you. He determined your destiny to be one of his sons and to be part of his church. And then God himself, the three, they had a council to come up with a way to carry out the purpose so I can assure you, God chose you. God predestinated you in eternity past. He determined where you would be born, when you would be born, when you would be saved. Amen. Because his great plan involves millions of us. But every one of us is precious to him. And he has a personal plan and arrangement for every one of you. For your whole life. Okay, I illustrate now. When I was between the ages of 17 and 19... I really liked, actually, I think, loved a girl named Sharon. Okay? But her feeling for me didn't last. So that ended. And I wasn't happy for a while, but what could I do? Then, four years later, on March 1st, 1963... I met a young lady who was a student at Columbia 
I was in Princeton, New Jersey. Very lovely lady named Susan. And it was love at second sight. <laughs> it took the second sight. But by March 2nd, we knew. We knew. God was bringing us together. Then, eventually we got married. We came into the Lord's recovery together. I'll tell you what kind of person she was. How she matched me then. I said, Susan, I'm leaving the whole system of Christianity. The whole thing. The Lord wants me to be in California. And we're married living in New York. After you finish your job, we're driving out to California to find out why. And she fully agreed. And that's when we met the church in San Francisco. So after 49 years of marriage, her journey with the Lord was finished. But my goes on. So I wonder, how do I live now? What do I do now? Humanly, spiritually. <clears throat> well, during a five-minute conversation between 10 p.m. and 10.05 p.m., last June 25th, in Ramanskaya, Russia, the Lord put me and a sister named Tanya Tarashenko together. Amen. The next year, Amen. we will be married. Amen. Okay? God did this. Yes. Now, when God does things like this, right. he doesn't treat you like a puppet. He treats you as the human you are, Amen. with a will. He knows you need to be attracted to the person you're going to marry. This is marriage, man. Okay, this is marriage. He knows you have to like each other. So all the human feelings are there. Yet, you know, this does not originate with us. God planned this. This is to live for God's purpose. There's a very important verse concerning this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And that verse says, God saved us and he called us according to his own purpose. Amen. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're a believer. That's why you love someone you've never seen and you believe in someone who's here but invisible. Because you were saved because God has a purpose. And he wants you and I would say he needs you to participate in this. That's why you exist. He created you for his purpose. He saved you for his purpose. Now he wants to direct you through your whole life <clears throat> so that no matter what you're doing outwardly, you may get married and then you want to be a mom and so he gives you quadruplets. Talk about a plan. Here they are, okay? Here they are. This will now be your situation for a long time to come. And so your time and energy outwardly will be devoted. But inwardly, this was my wife Susan's feeling. Her being a mother is her ministry to the Lord. So you go through all the stages of human life, but deeper than you realize 
All this is that I may live now for God's purpose. The more you enjoy him, the more you just spontaneously want to live for his purpose. After Paul wrote this verse, he said something else about purpose. In the same book, 2 Timothy, this time it's in chapter 3, and he's pointing out to Timothy, Timothy, all Asia has turned away from me, but you are my faithful spiritual son. And he said, you have closely followed. Then he mentions several things. You closely followed my teaching. And then eventually he said, you closely followed my purpose. He said, my purpose. Well, why did he say God's own purpose In chapter 1, verse 9, now he says, my purpose in chapter 3. Well, there's an important reason. God's purpose did not remain for him something out there that God has. He realized first, God saved me for his purpose. Then something happened inside of him. So that God's purpose became his purpose. So when Timothy observed Paul's purpose. And closely followed Paul's purpose. Timothy was following the embodiment and expression of God's purpose lived out in an older believer. But my point is this. God wants you to enjoy him. And he wants to be your enjoyment. God created you for his purpose. He saved you for his purpose. He wants you to live for his purpose. But in his heart is a desire deeper than that. And you will determine this, not God, not your angel, not your parents, not the serving ones, not the elders in the churches, not the co-workers. The key is in your hand. Will you allow God's purpose to become your purpose? After that five-minute conversation between 10 and 10.05 p.m. on June 25th in Russia, I had quite a time with the Lord to bring everything to him. Then I had the sense the next day to just send the sister a simple email, which I then wrote in fellowship with the Lord, And this is my point while I'm mentioning this to you. I said, I want you to know how this fellowship affected me. But one thing is clear. I live for God's will. I only want what is the desire of God's heart. I want his will in his way in his time. Well, thankfully, she has the same kind of heart. I have been a believer for a very, very long time. Would you believe that people existed on the earth before there were cell phones? (laughs) I, I was one of them, okay? I was here in the 50s. And I've been in the recovery For 50 years. I tell this just as your brother. 
even though I'm so much older, I'm just a brother. Just like you're a brother and a sister. I don't know any other way to live as a believer. I don't know any other way other than to live for God's purpose, to live for God's perfect will, to live for the desire of his heart. And I can tell you, because of his mercy, because of his faithful working on me, God's purpose is my purpose. And what's in my heart for you is that the Lord's joy would become your joy. The joy and the gladness of your heart. And that God's purpose would become your purpose. How he'll work it out, that's up to him. But every one of you is precious to him. No one can replace you. There'll never be another believer like you. There'll never be another member of the body of Christ like you. Yes, the bride will be composed of millions of believers, but in the Father's heart is a plan for everyone. So now you know, my heart is open to you in love for you. May these two needs in you be met all the time. Your need for joy and your need for purpose. And may these two matters in God be real to you. He wants to be your enjoyment and he wants you to live for his purpose. So I can summarize the message now, which is over, in one sentence. Enjoy God and live for his purpose. Amen.